You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Until you decide to stop doing what you know is wrong. You can't be holy. You can't live dedicated to God. You can come to church. You can even fool people. You know, hey, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. You can even say, praise the Lord. But, but if there's something in your life that you know, you know, we're not talking about things you don't, we're talking about you know it's wrong, you know, you know. Righteousness leads to holiness, and you can't be holy till you make that right decision. The repercussions of sin are many. First, you'll walk around carrying the guilt of your sin. Then, if you try to pretend that you're righteous, you'll have the guilt of lying to other people. Next, you're living apart from the will of God and the fullness that He's planned for your life. Why would you want to do this to yourself? As Pastor Danny encourages us in today's message, the right time to repent is now. Your sin causes you to forfeit God's intended blessings. It's only by living the righteous life that you become holy. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, Rationale for Righteous Living. If you read 1 John, the whole, the context, he starts out in chapter 1. He says, if we say we have no sin, we make God out to be a liar and the truth is not in us. This verse is not saying once you become a Christian, you don't sin anymore. No, but because God's seed is in you. What, What does that mean? When you repent, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God does a miracle. It's a real miracle. You are born again. Uh, The word literally means born from above. You're born from above. God now sends his Holy Spirit, and he sends his Holy Spirit. He changes your heart. He changes your heart. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And because your heart is changed, now you desire to live a righteous life. You want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. That's what that means. So you won't live a life of habitual, willful sin. Now, what I have to say at this point, I don't want you to get discouraged or be fearful. That's the introduction. My son dealt with the first half of Romans 6. Now, the second half. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Thanks be to God. That though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart. Your heart has been changed. 
the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life, especially in the Roman world, because they understood slavery because of your human limitations. In other words, I'm giving you a human illustration so you'll get it. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. All holiness means is you're set apart for God, His purposes. You're living life for Him. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit, good question, did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. They said it was coming. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to, here it says it again, holiness. You're living for God. You're committed to Christ. And the result is eternal life. And he concludes with this now famous Christian verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Secretarial staff every week, I've shared this with you before, they want to know the title and the text for my teaching. And sometimes it's hard to come up with a title. But, but I gave them a title, and the title was Sin, Righteousness, and Eternal Life. Sin, Righteousness, and Eternal Life. And that's what the text deals with. But on the way here last night for the 6 o'clock Saturday service, it was raining. Traffic was extra heavy. It was slow. And so uh, at the stoplight, my wife was with me. She bears witness. I didn't do it, except we were at the stoplight in thick traffic, I pulled out my notes and I grabbed a pen and I wrote a new title. I wrote a new title because it better explains what God's trying to tell us in these three verses. And here it is. Rationale for righteous living. Rationale for righteous living. Rationale is a logical basis for a course of action or a particular belief. Now, let me give you again what we just read. Sin results in death. That's what God's telling us here. But he's not talking about physical death. That's the ultimate consequence, or at least the consequence in this life. We're going to die because there's sin that dwells in the members of our body. We're going to die. The ultimate consequence at the final judgment, the book of Revelation says, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, if you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior, you're cast then into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Second death. But sin results in death. And we're not talking about just physical death, and we're not just talking about the lake of fire. How do I know that? 1 Timothy 5, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing practical words to the church about widows, widows in the church. And he mentions some widows who made a commitment to Christ, but then sometime later left their commitment to Christ and began to live for themselves. He says they began to live for pleasure. Doesn't tell us what it is that, that led them astray, but... <laughs> Probably a guy. 
Some of the widows were not even older widows. They were younger widows. And, you know, at first they're committed to Christ, and all of a sudden they meet some guy, and he pulls them away from their commitment to Christ. I've seen it happen to all kinds of people, not just widows, just people. And it's interesting, he says, the woman, the widow, that now has left her commitment to Christ and is living for pleasure is dead even while she lives. That's very interesting. Dead. Most of us know the story of what we call the prodigal son. It's recorded in Luke's gospel, chapter 15. The short summary is, father, one of his sons, wants his inheritance early, and his father gives it to him, and he leaves home with a thick wallet, and he begins to just live party lifestyle. We don't know how long it went on, but he spent all he had partying hardy. And he ends up with nothing, and he ends up in a pig pen. And there in the pig pen, it says he came to his senses. And he started thinking, my father's servants back home have it better than me in this pig pen. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going home. And I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be one of your sons. Make me like one of your servants. That'll be better off than where I am. And if you know the story, the father's been looking for him every day. And all of a sudden, that day, you know, he sees him afar off. And the son comes, and before the son can say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, the father says to the servants, kill the fatted calf. Get the table ready. Let's have a party. Because my son, he was lost, and he's found. He was dead. And he's alive again. He's alive because he got right with God. He came home. When he was out there living like he wanted to live, living for the world, living in the world, I know what it's like. He was dead. Ephesians 2 kind of sums it up, verses 1 and following. As for you, and this is all of us, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, in your sins, in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world, sin results in death. And sin causes me to forfeit God's intended blessings for my life. I'm a blessed man. I say that as humbly as I can say it. I, I'm a blessed man. But there were periods in my life where I was headed in the wrong direction. There was periods in my pastoral ministry, as most of you know, I was headed in the wrong direction. Thank God. Thank God I repented. I repented. I had, man, a few years ago I had a revival. I'm still living that revival. I'm still living it. I'm planning on living it until I see Jesus. Sin's so deceitful. It's so, it's, it's so deceitful. That's enough time on the negative. Let's flip the coin. Righteousness. Righteous, righteousness is just doing what's right. It's just doing what's right. It leads to holiness. You can't live a holy life until you make a right decision, until you decide to stop doing what you know is wrong. You can't be holy. You can't live dedicated to God. You can come to church. You can even fool people. You say, hey, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. You can even say, praise the Lord. But, but if there's something in your life that you know, you know, we're not talking about things you don't, we're talking about you know it's wrong, you know. You know, righteousness leads to holiness, and you can't be holy 
till you make that right decision. We live in a culture it, everywhere, and it's getting worse. And I, it's just obvious it's getting worse. We live in a sexually permissive, immoral culture. And it's affected the church. It's affected the church. It's a common thing in, in, in my pastoral ministry to have people that come to church regularly that are living together and they're not biblically husband and wife. It's just a common thing. It's just a part of our culture. This lady right here, she's pointing at herself. You don't mind me saying, Pat. Pat came to our church years, for years. She'd stand on the front row and she'd lift her hands. She'd praise the Lord. She's living with her boyfriend. And not anymore, but she repented. She repented. Somehow she convinced the guy to marry her. And now you did the right thing. He got a good one when he got you. But she was coming for years. Not anymore. Isn't it a great feeling now when I preach on it, you say, praise the Lord, I don't have to deal with that anymore. That loggerhead ought to be here too, you know. Tell him I said that. Righteousness leads to holiness. Now, now listen. (laughs) Holiness results... In eternal life. But you got to understand what he's talking about there. In the same way that the death that sin causes is more than just physical death. We're talking spiritually here. Prodigal, dead. Widow, living for pleasure, dead. Us, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. He's talking spiritually. Just as sin results in death, you lose the blessing God wants to give you. You forfeit. What God's wanting to do for someone, he can't do it because they won't get right. But when you make that right decision, righteousness leads to holiness, and now holiness results in eternal life. What's eternal life? Come on, come on, you're still awake. Say this. This is Jesus' words. Ready? Here we go. I have come that they may have life and more abundantly. God's not trying to trick us. Satan's trying to trick us, and then we trick ourselves. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. We believe the lie. We believe that's the right thing to do because it gives us pleasure, because it's what we want to do, but it's outside of God's will. It's the wrong direction. And Jesus is saying, look, I have come not to trick you. I've come to give you the life that God intended you to have. That's what he wants to do, the life God intended us to have. That's what he wants to give us. God gives a a definition of eternal life. And it includes other things, but here's the definition. Say this one with me. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. A right relationship with God. Having repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now, now, Your connection with him, eternal life, quality of life. You know that you can be in a a very difficult situation. You can even be suffering, uh, and yet you you can experience eternal life. 
What does that look like? The Apostle Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. You can, in the midst of a situation in life that is unbearable, humanly speaking, you can have, if you have that connection with Jesus, peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense to anybody else. It doesn't even make sense to you. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. You can be filled with, humanly speaking, pain and yet overflow with joy by the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Why? How can that happen? You have eternal life. It's a wonderful thing. As I think about the characters in the Bible, pretty much every character in the Bible, there's a few that don't have any negative print. That doesn't mean they're sinless. There's only one sinless, and that's Jesus. From Adam and Eve to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Samson, all these great figures in the Bible, all these characters. You know what you find when you study their lives? Their lives were a series of revivals. They started to get off track. Some got off track big time. And then they made a decision to get back on track. I find that's, that's the Christian life. I'd getting off track years ago. I could make all kinds of excuses, the size of the ministry, the responsibility I had. I could say, oh, I just couldn't handle it. That's true. That's true. But instead of just, just depending on God, I went to the booze. Foolish. Foolish. Stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. And I was stupid. It affected my marriage. It affected my relationship with my kids. It affected my ministry. I'm so glad to be looking back at those days and forward at blessing. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed man because I made a right decision years ago to repent. I got right with God. My marriage is better than ever. I want you to have a marriage like I have. I got a great marriage. I got a blessed family. I want your family to be blessed. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with me. You can't change your family, but listen, you can be the one. You can be the one, the conduit of blessing, of blessing. God wants to bless you. Of all the characters I thought about in the Bible, one, in 1 Samuel 13, 14, God tells us he's a man after God's own heart. His name's David. He loved God. God loved him. He wrote so many of the Psalms in our Bible. And you read his Psalms and you know, you, the Psalms testified to the relationship and the fellowship he had with God for years. Interestingly enough, later in life, as an older man, he's now king of Israel. Before he became king, God taught him to trust him and taught him to persevere as he's running from King Saul, who was jealous and envious and ended up hating him. But God cared for David through all those years. And then when he became king, you look at the record. And every time he goes out to face the enemy, God gave him victory, victory. He never had a loss, never had a loss. Every time, because he's right with God, he's walking with God, and he just had victory, victory, victory. God blessed his family. Everything about his life was blessed. He's writing these psalms. He's got fellowship with God. But if you know the story, later in life, one day he's out on his balcony 
time when kings should be off to war, but he decided to take a break. Kings go off to war in the spring. It was a spring break. A lot of people get in trouble then. And so did David. And he walked out in the spring, and he looked and saw Bathsheba. He sent for her. He had a one-night sexual encounter with her. She got pregnant. He tried to cover it up. It didn't work. His sin got even greater, and he had Bathsheba's husband, who was one of his mighty men on the battlefield, had him killed. And then he took Bathsheba to be his wife. And let me tell you how much God loved David. He sent a man, Nathan the prophet. And Nathan pointed the finger in David's face and confronted him in his sin. And David could have said, get him out of here. And he could have had him executed. He didn't do that. He said, you're right. I've sinned. And David, a man after God's own heart, made such terrible mistakes in life, lost the blessing of the Lord, lost the peace, lost the joy, lost his testimony, lost everything except his salvation. And after he repented, he wrote another psalm, Psalm 51. Let me read you a section of it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Bathsheba's husband. He sinned against his own family. He sinned against the nation of Israel. But ultimately, he realizes his sins against God. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Then I'll get my testimony back. Then I'll get my witness back. And God did that. God cleansed him in a fresh way. God restored his joy. God restored his testimony. He wants to do that for some right now. Right here. When Nathan confronted David... An interesting thing the Lord said, if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. God reminded David of all the years of blessing and all the blessing that God had brought into his life. And he reminded him of what he had forfeited, forfeited. But thank God he didn't leave him there. There are some things you forfeited that God could have done in your life, could have done in my life. But you can't go back and regain some of those things. But you can. You can not miss out on what he has for you in the future. You can from this point, as David did, make the right decision, righteous decision. Final thought. Writer of the Hebrew says, encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The context of that verse is three times God says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God is saying, I want to 
bless you. Jesus looked out over Jerusalem as he came into Jerusalem the final time before he goes to the cross and he wept over the city and he said, how many times I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. You have to be willing. You have to be willing. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans here on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can hear this message again or more of Pastor Danny's teachings at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would simply like to talk with us, feel free to send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. If you're in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would be happy to meet you in person. We invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. In addition to our in-person services, we also live stream each service. So don't let distance hold you back from worshiping with us this weekend. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor Danny continues to teach through the book of Romans right here on The Living Word.